On 1116 SEM, the four Diegos. Send it in, shipped in, up. There's a chance. That's a goal. I think it was. And should have come off an ugly Cleo's head. We're waiting for the signal. It is a goal. There's Goodwin again with a great cross. In comes Mabil. We got an equalizer. He didn't miss that time. It's 1 1. Pinkler, great turn. He's in the area. Keith Pinkler clicks it in. Might have been a handball. No, it's dropped in. Another goal. I don't know how that one went in either, Grant. They're not making it easy for us to call, but it's a goal. It's 2 1. Falls back to Ben Kalpalat. Chips it in. Here's a goal. Is that Brooks? That's Lee Brunson. He came so close last week. He does it tonight. The little man on the board. Welcome to the final whistle here with the Four Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Hey, and thanks to the SEN call team, of course, what a great call by Ed Wyatt. Grant Brebner celebrating 10 years of Melbourne victory tonight, the legend. And Jonathan Halcroft there, there as well. Great uh, call, guys. It was a 3-2 victory to Melbourne victory against Adelaide United. And uh, we'll get right into the game. Carlos Alberto Diego, you're in the house as well. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good evening there, Rodders. I'm uh, the free-spirited performance tonight. I feel free-spirited. Two hours of free-spirited radio yes. with the Diegos tonight. I know I have. It doesn't make for good radio, but on my right, there's a very unhappy Diego. Even though there were goals galore, scoring for fun, there is Kitty out there practicing the own goals as we speak in the backyard, <laughs> right? Uh, but there's one Diego, and by the way, another Diego Vinivin as well, uh, in transit from he the is, game. He is, he went there, to the game. Yes, and he's on his way, so, uh, but let's, uh, I suppose you want to throw to the oh, no, because, dissatisfied one. And because Vinny was at the game, he'll know a lot more about the game than us, and we'll, we'll throw to him, <laughs> what did you think about this? Because he was actually yeah. at the game. Yeah. So we'll talk to Vinny Venezuela uh, very shortly, but Warren Diego, um, you look happy, a <laughs> bit sunburnt. <laughs> Yeah, you've, but you've, you watched that game and you loved every minute of it. Yeah, I loved the game. The game was entertaining. I mean, the game was what you'd like to see. I mean, the great thing about competitions, and it happens in all competitions, is over the course of a weekend, you get lots of different types of games. This was the unbridled, free-spirited, <laughs> yeah. sort of like, you know... It was a game that you'd like to see. You wouldn't want to see every game played like that because... Ultimately, fans would probably tear their hair out with the lack of, you know, defence, and there were more opportunities than they could have scored. So, I suppose for the listeners out there, who are just knocking off 
shift work and they don't know the score riders because we're yep. we're going into the free spirited nature, but no one knows. People are thinking it's ten nil or ten nine over uh, out there. No, no, I mentioned the score at the start. Oh, it was three two, Carlos, yeah. um, but I didn't mention the goal scorers. Mm. There were two own goals. Actually, Adelaide United scored four goals in this game. <laughs> Unfortunately, they scored they scored two for Melbourne victory. Um, Bogart's Bogart scored rather in the seventh minute, a known goal. Uh, then Mobile scored for Adelaide United in the thirteenth minute, making it one all. Then uh, Thirio. Yes. Thirio mm. scored in the 16th minute for Melbourne victory. Yeah, was wrong goal. end. Wrong, wrong end. end, unfortunately. Broxham then scored with a, a nice little header there in the 31st minute. It was 3-1. And then before half-time in the 36th minute, Karuska scored a penalty uh, to make it 3-2. And that's how it finished at Amy Park. So, I love the game, but there are a number of things. In fact, it's a litany. It's not just a number. It's more than a number of things that are starting to really annoy you. You're going to spew bile on, an, on the really, 10th anniversary really, of Melbourne Victory. Really They've got a family annoying. day tomorrow. Just, there is celebrations no, going on. Everyone's lauding them for the for the goals they scored no, and the three points. And you're going to rain on their parade tonight? It's not just victory, Carlos. It's It permeates across the whole competition. In, in fact, across the whole world. There are some things particular <laughs> to the victory and Adelaide that really annoy me. What, you don't like musky... Pinging a ball at the opposition coach? It's not about them, Carlos. It's about the players. I don't understand why Kevin and Josip have to go out and spend 15 minutes on the park after a game. Do what the managers do. Turn, shake hands, go down the tunnel. The players, they spend far too much time (laughs) on the field. Go and thank the fans. And then what's this? The kiddies want to see... This arm flinging the, as if they've won the, the grand final. The, the kiddies want to see oh. the sportspersonship after the game where, you know, people going at each other. And it was pretty pretty rough and ready game tonight. You know, a lot of body contact, mm. a lot of afters, you know, uh, when there was a freak. A lot of in-your-face referee sort of stuff. Uh, after the game, it's good to see they put it all behind them. Give each other a hug. A little bit of a kissing in some it cases. Was a, it was an all-stars reunion there. It was. It right was. Oh, it was one of, it's a beautiful moment where you had Barisha, Karuska and Gombau all embracing at the same time, is, laughing and joking. You know, after going to war, it's good that they you know draw the line and, uh, and they just go back to showing the world that they're decent human beings who have just bled for their club but now are part of humanity. Great for the shake, kids to see. Shake their hands. Well done. <laughs> Move off the field. You don't it's like the ridiculous. trim, do you? Georgeski, who's been overseas for however many years, he goes up like he goes up to Bruce Jitte, who he's only met just yeah. before the game, gives him a cuddle like no, he hasn't no, seen. They, they, no, no. they used to speak regularly on Skype. I think they're two uh, Western Sydney boys. Just, you know, they yes. think they're both from the same. They they might they might have get played off together the as field. Who get knows? off the field. Hey, do you want to know a few other things? Well, let's on. get to some uh, yeah. callers and not listen to your rubbish. Really, yeah, look. The, Let's get to the game. The hotline tonight, oh. Carlos, is... The Civ Defence hotline. Yes. Uh, I think it was a free-for-all. I don't know. Did, did, did the defenders from either side turn up at all tonight? Well, I don't know. <laughs> they just decided not to... Not, they were on strike or something. Uh, even though uh, <laughs> Adelaide decided to give a few Scored freebies twice. away. I think they wanted to be forward. It was a gift because of the 10-year you know, anniversary. Oh, uh, so anyway, the, 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 the defenders are awful from both sides tonight. So we're going to call it the Civ Defence Hotline. And the number is, Rodrigo? 94291116. Give us a call. We want to leak calls tonight, like uh, both Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United leaked goals. 94291116. And Rodders, my namesake, <laughs> uh, from Airport West, wants to talk, actually wants to talk about tonight's referee. And g'day, Rodders. It's Rodders. <laughs> 
Rothers, I'm on. Good day, Forty. How you guys? We love your show, there, old son. On your Thank you very much, Rothers. Now, uh, you go, Victory. Listen, over the ten years, it's very clear to see after tonight's beautiful football from both sides <laughs> just how far football has advanced in the standard of quality on the pitch. It's just such a shame that the standard of refereeing has uh, is, is been stagnant for the same duration of time. I feel, Rodders, if I could just jump in there, I feel for the referees. I was just commenting with Warren in the green room while we were watching the game. Every free kick, the most obvious free kicks, the uh, protagonists, all, whether they got the free kick or not, they actually got into the face of the referee the whole time. The pressure that was on the hyphen referee tonight, what's his name? Chris Griffiths Jones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the pressure on the referees these days, because it's, it's relentless, it's uh, or unrelentless it, the, the 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 pressure that's put on referees by players. But you're right, the standard isn't great. I mean, the non-existent penalty that uh, Adelaide got, and there was a the, the goal that was disallowed that Adelaide scored. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, was it Kruska, Was it? I mean, the one that went straight in. Um, oh, no, it was, the uh, one that was a goal, and then he gave the penalty shortly after. Yeah, that's for right. Making yeah. The mistake I, I mean, some of the decisions. Yeah, yeah, it went. Uh, it went both ways, uh, a lot of the poor refereeing, but Rodders, I'm with you all the way, mate. They've got to actually improve that. Yep. Look, the, the main thing was is that, I mean, the, the most obvious, you're right, Barisha went down a few times and clearly Adelaide won the ball. We're all booing. It was it was obvious that um, the Adelaide guy won the ball first and we, we I, I must admit there was a lot of occasions like that, but I can't understand the, the, the main point that I'm calling in for. We scored five goals in the first half there's one minute of injury time. <laughs> zero goals in the second half, there's five minutes of injury time. How can you explain that? Is, is, that is just beyond any sort of it, yeah. it's madness. Yeah. Rodders, I've got to agree with you with regards to that. I think the way extra time is given, there is... I'm not saying that we need... There is a formula, you know. Uh, yeah, what is For every it? goal scored... The Duckworth-Lewis formula. Actually, any referees out there would know, but for every, for every goal scored... There's like 30 seconds put on or some, some period of time. two and a half right there. Yeah, when the ball goes... I mean, for everything. If, if, you, if you scratch yourself, it's an extra five seconds. I mean, there's, there's, it's a formula. Can I, say, can I say this, Carlos? They're, fair dinkum, with the way the players carried on, there were at least four... Goodwin had at least three free kicks in the second half. It took over a minute to actually do the shaving cream, set the wall, <laughs> kick the goal. Now, that's extra time, isn't it? The time yeah. elapsed. Yep. Now, fair income. If the umpire, if the umpire, if the referee was serious, there should have been about twelve minutes extra time in that second half. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's not called extra time. Anymore. I mean, it's called time added on. Uh, because players walk off. Last week, um, Ali Abbas walked off. It took him four and a half minutes to get from one <laughs> side of the field to the other. And the referees have to start picking up that yellow ticket out of their out of their pockets and putting it in the face of players for wasting time. They need to be more forceful with players who foul. You know, players might get a bit well, more well, of an even What responsibility do players have? Being get, when they when they when they commit a a, a, a a an authentic foul, a foul that cannot be put disputed. Put up their hand and say yes. Yeah, well, they Sorry. don't. They don't. They, they just don't. get in the referee's face. There's three of them in the referee's face complaining about a, such an obvious free kick. Or a yellow card that's been obvious. Now, you know, what responsibility do the players have? Yellow ticket him. I mean, get it, get them. The players are behaving disgracefully with regards to the way they're intimidating. And the one thing I will disagree with Rodders, 
There's no model for better refereeing. You can go to a full-time, part-time, semi-time, whatever time model. You watch the Premier League games every weekend. You watch the 10 of those games and tell me the quality of refereeing from full-time referees is any better. It, I, don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what happens to referees. But you know what? Some of the things about stamping a bit of authority, particularly when they're surrounded by hoodlums, they're players, <laughs> they're behaving like hoodlums. Yep. It's ridiculous. Give us a call tonight on the Civ Defence Hotline, 9429-1116. Uh, it was a good call there by Rodders. And uh, now it's Rob from Essendon, wants to talk about the coaches. G'day, Rob. Welcome to the yeah. show. Firstly, I'd like to say Rodders should get his own microphone. <laughs> Rodders has got his own microphone. Rodders has got his own microphone. Maybe he should open his own show. Anyway, Carlos, was it you that said that the coaches shouldn't come onto the, uh, the ground after the game? No, Warren says it. Was that? You've got no idea, my son. Yeah, no absolutely, Rob. We love Muskie out there. He's a champion. The guy will never lose his job because he's an institution at that club. And uh, those bozos last year that were saying he should be getting a chop for uh, not performing at the start of the year, well, Muskie's the man. Now, now Rob, did you always, have you always loved Muskie? Always? When he was a player and now uh, all through his whole short stint as a coach? Well, I've known Muskie for a long time, actually. I oh, you know him personally? Yeah. I oh, okay. played together growing up, and it was only a matter of time. The boys are playing for him now. Yep. And uh, he's a great coach, and he's a good man. And uh, seriously, you should offer Rod as a gig, because he, he's, a, he's a radio <laughs> bloke, that one. Now, Rob, you know him personally. Tell us about the man outside the football pitch. He's, he, now and again, he has his kids there with interviews on the ground. He seems like a, a really uh, committed family man. Uh, what's he like outside the footy pitch? Look, Kent, he's one of those blokes that on the field, you never wanted to play against him. He put a few holes in my shins over the years, that's for sure. But, and you're his mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did. And uh, yeah. that didn't make different uh, in the pitching room or around the club. Uh, as a bloke off the field, he was always extremely well respected. And um, he, he, he was always very highly held by everyone around him, that's for sure. Rob? I actually said on the air last week, I think Kevin Muscat will end up a better coach than he was player. Now, he was a bloody good player. But no disrespect to Kevin and all the managers. I just actually think they should genuinely take the Premier League model, and that is respectfully shake each other's hand at the end of the game and just go down the tunnel. Do their talking. I've wax seen, with the I've players. I've seen no, some of the coaches. Haven't. You haven't. You don't see it, Carlos. I see EPL coaches go and applaud, walk across the ground and applaud the away support. I've seen that all the time. I've seen Brendan Rodgers uh, Have you seen it. Brendan Rodgers yes. slide onto the field by eight metres after a goal and go <laughs> charging around the field? Have you seen Arsene Wenger? I mean, fair income. Get off the field. Do the talking in the dugout. You want to you want to tap a few players on the bum and say, "Well done, guys." Do it in the privacy of the tunnel, for God's sake. Welcome, Get off Vinny. the field. Welcome, Vinnie Venezuela. Hello there. Hello there, hey, Warren. Have you got uh, manager envy? Because you just want your gaffer to be able to do no. that. John Van Skip is the model manager. He behaves in a fashion that is that is appropriate. That is, he's just got a tan that you'll never have. No. <laughs> He's got a tan and hair that you'll, that you'll more, never have. There's more callers to have a go at. Yeah. Get them Thanks, on. Rob. Really appreciate your call. Warren, sounding like it's that time of life. Actually, <laughs> tonight. What's going on? Anyway, 942-911-16. It is the Civ Defence Hotline. Vinny Venezuela's in the house. Welcome again. Thank you very much. Good Tram, to be here. Tram full, Vinny. 
There was no tram. No tram. I walked it. <laughs> I walked it. Hey, give us, uh, send us your text message as well on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Got it. Got some prizes to give away tonight too. So um, we'll do that throughout the show. Let's go to Theo in Doncaster. G'day, Theo. Welcome to the show. G'day, guys. How are we? Yeah, we're good. good mate. I'm, I'm a bit puffed out myself. <laughs> a couple of points, guys. Um, that that third ref that sits on the on the line presents how much time he's for. Um, to remain. Stop having conversations with Kevin Musker. Yeah. <laughs> always gapping in his ear. Yeah. Uh, look, that, again, that's, a, that's the coaches who are initiating all that, Theo. And that's why I think, you know, people complain about refereeing. And by the way, I think the refereeing probably most of this year has been poor, I reckon. And they've got a lot of work to do on it. But really, the, the pressure that's put on referees... The mob handling, the in-your-face stuff by the players when there's obvious fouls, and not just one player, three players, and sometimes the guy who gets the foul, gets a free kick, he's in the face too. So both sets of players are in the face. Uh, and then on the sideline, that fourth referee or the fourth official. Uh, you know, are the, they paying him? Uh, I tell you what, he probably gets double the amount because he's got to hang around those coaches the whole time. And then you've got Muskie, who, you know, of course, doing a brilliant job this year, decides to ping a ball at Joseph Gongbao. Well, Joseph kicked it to him first. Oh, did he? Is that yeah, how it he worked? Par- oh, but he passed okay. it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Muskie went for the top corner. Yeah, so yeah. Theo, look, I, you know, as much as the referees have got a lot of work to do, I just reckon that the players and the coaches don't do themselves any favours with regards to uh, you know, being in their face and intimidating them. Can I raise a second point, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the second point was the game. I was at the game last week and it nearly bored me to death with um, Brisbane Raw. I preferred tonight's game and it was absolutely relentless in terms of the pace in the first half. Um, so I prefer that type of game um, week in, week out, even though it's very stressful as a supporter. <laughs> but Theo, will you, win the, will you win the league if you defend like that? Go again, sorry guys. No, will you win the league if you defend like that? Um, no. Yeah, no. that's the thing. It's all about. I say I'd rather, if, if from a coach's perspective, to play like last week and give very little away at the back, than win win like tonight and uh, and do that every week and with all the problems at the back they had. I mean, to be fair, both sides defended deplorably tonight. Hey Theo, for giving us two points, I'm going to give you two bottles of fine Yarra. Yarra Valley Wines from Kellybrook Winery. So uh, stay on the line and uh, make sure you give us your details because you've won two bottles of fine Yarra Valley Wines from Kellybrook Winery. Make sure you go and see the guys on Fulford Road in Wonga Park and mention this promotion to receive 20% off at the cellar door at Kellybrook Winery. That's Fantastic. for every, everyone else. Wow. So well done, Theo. Hey, uh, the Civ Defence Hotline, 94291116. Let's go to Josh in Essendon. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you, gentlemen? How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, Josh. That's right. Look, yeah, I was just I was very disappointed with uh, the quality of defending from both teams, in particular the first half. And, uh, I mean, look, the second half wasn't, wasn't uh, any, any better. But in saying that, the, the attacking uh, from Melbourne Victor, I mean, they had about three, you know, three clear opportunities to, to finish the game, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. Josh... I was trying to work out what was wrong because I thought the defending's been relatively okay, except for the odd moment this year with Melbourne Victory. Uh, generally, I thought they were getting over their rev- their defending issues from previous years, uh, but tonight, like uh, Georgeski, he's not a quick learner, uh, young Georgeski. In that uh, Mobile, uh, he was ball watching in the first half, and Mobile had an open goal and missed it. 
Mm. You think as a defender, well, listen, I've got to open up my stance and make sure that I'm not ball watching. Minutes later, he does the same thing, and Mabil goes in and scores virtually an identical opportunity. Uh, and that's not the only thing, but there were just you know other times where you felt that uh, Adelaide were going to carve them up uh, because of, of the few numbers on that last line. And then the other way, the way Adelaide defended with the two own goals, I was just all over the shop. I don't know what it was tonight, just one of those games. I don't think it's indicative of the way they've been playing this year, but uh, but you've got to worry if it creeps in at all, more than one game, that it might be there as a bit of a cancer. Tonight it was uh, Melbourne Victory who defeated Adelaide United 3-2 at Amy Park. There were two own goals for Melbourne Victory. Uh, Bogart and Thirio scored. Uh, Humphrey. Yep, and Broxham scored, and Mobile and Karuska scored for Adelaide United 3 Two, just in case you've just joined us. Hey, let's go to uh, Con in Doncaster. G'day, Con. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you going? Pretty good, thank you. I was going to talk about referees, but the guy who did the PhD on referees pretty much covered every single point there could have. (laughs) But I wanted to talk... The other point was what you're talking about with the defence. Just when I thought Adrian Leia was actually stable at the back, Mm. he turns in a performance, and I go... Over the last few years, rather than see him, you know, he should still be on a, on a learning and improving curve. <laughs> it's like he's plateaued out the last three years. Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have his greatest game tonight, I think. But look, one thing with Adrian Layer, in terms of Kevin Musket, whenever he's been fit or hasn't been suspended, Kevin Musket's played him, and I think. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting when Del Pierre, Del Pierre comes, back. comes back. Ansel had his first run tonight for a while. They're all going to be available. Broxham too, who remember we, we went into central de- defence and played against um, Emel Hiskey about Hiskey about yeah. twelve months ago, a bit, maybe a bit more, and did a fantastic job and clearly can play in that spot as well. They can't all play. Um, certainly, I wouldn't think that Ansel is going to play full back long term. You'd think with Garrier probably coming back eventually. Even so, Galloway, I thought Galloway was. Pretty honest tonight. Until yeah, he so they got issues. I thought uh, there were a few times in, uh, late in the second half where Jitte was causing a lot of problems, but they closed him down. Uh, Leia and, and Broxham closed him down really well, and uh, Jitte was looking very dangerous for for a lot of that second mm. half. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. It is the um, Civ Defence Hotline. Thanks for your call, Con. Getting some really good text messages on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Nothing wrong with a bit of passion from the manager. Of course. To me, it says that he's invested in his players and it shows unity. Antonio Conte um, does the same thing, and Juventus won three Serie A titles in a row. Josh wanna, from Shepherd. I want to make it really clear to Josh from Shepherd and everyone else who's listening. The millions of people are listening. All the people going home in cars. That Warren's the only one who has a problem with anyone showing any passion in the football no, field. No, it's not passion. It's not the passion. Okay, it's not the passion. What, what the players can show the passion, but the but the coaches can't. Exactly. Leo That's from, ridiculous. Leo Leo from Sunshine. Why? Leo. Why? That's ridiculous. Well, it's not. I didn't say they couldn't show passion. Well, you did say that. Just when then. passion crosses over to be constant abuse or constant criticism of refereeing decision, there's an argy-bargy between players and, and, and coaches sliding onto the field and going for a half-nudie run when their team scores a goal. It's ridiculous. You, you, were talking ridiculous. About, you were talking about the coaches being on the ground at the end, congratulating the opposition, shaking hands, hugging you know, people. They don't like, need to do that, why, Carlos. Why can't they, they do that? They can do that in the dugout after the game. Walk off the field, shake each other's hand and get <laughs> off the field. I think you've got to show Jeez. the fans out there and all the people oh, watching. Clap. Go no, out there and give them a bit of a clap. Show that you're part of the team. 
these days you've got to actually show the passion, Warren. You're, oh, you're a very yeah. complex oh, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a very <laughs> complex character. Yeah, yeah, I suppose when every time an Australian cricket team or somebody else, an AFL team, takes a wicket, the coaches are going to write to run on the field in gay celebration. They should. They, they, should. they, they should. should. With gay abandon. Absolutely. Not gay celebration. It's gay <laughs> abandon. Um, that's the Mardi Gras. It's, uh, Leo from Sunshine also says, uh, um, it, you know, the word passion comes across uh, regarding some coaches and players. That's, when, that's why they go nuts on the sidelines. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, Michael, Raj, Bill, Julian, Gavin, please hold on. We need to take a break and come back with more on a night when Melbourne Victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2. This is the Four Diego's final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Former England international and wayward problem child Paul Gascoigne once said, I don't like being on my own because you think a lot, and I don't like to think a lot. This has been a sad coaching moment by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Yes, it is the final whistle here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport, with the Four Diegos. The uh, the hotline tonight is the Civ Defence Hotline. Melbourne Victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2. Bogart and Thierio scored own goals um, for Melbourne Victory, and Broxham scored in the 31st minute, and Mabil and Karuska scored for Adelaide United at Amy Park in front of around 22,000 people. A bit more than that, Vinny Venezuela. More, well. look more than me. No, my, I counted, Carlos. <laughs> Not much more than 22,000. Okay. Is that the first time we've had two own goals in an A-League game? I can't remember a game that... Jeez. Uh, with that many own yeah, goals? I'm, I'm sure our, uh, our research department, who are our listeners yes. at this time of night, you are our re- research department, will tell us, but I don't remember having two own goals in one game. We've got plenty of calls uh, waning, and Michael uh, from Aspendale Gardens has been uh, very patient and wants to talk something that was really special uh, there tonight. G'day, Michael, and welcome to the show. Yeah, there you going, guys. Yeah, look, I just want to applaud the crowd at the start. Uh, a minute silence for uh, Phil Hughes. And in the 63 minute, we're never on the board for about a minute. So I thought that was great. That was a good sign that, you know, we think of the guy and hopefully that he rests in peace. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think um, the events surrounding Philip Hughes have, has united all sports fans and the outpouring of grief, I think, is a reflection of the fact that everyone's obviously thinking about it and thinking about the whole event and his teammates and... We're lovers of sport in this country, and it's good that, um, you know, I think football fans can acknowledge and celebrate in their own way. It was, it was very good. It was absolutely very special, and uh, well done uh, for mentioning that, Michael. And just for that, uh, we're going to give you uh, a $60 voucher for Gary's Meats at Paran Market, mate. Well done. They specialise in free-range lamb, pork and beef. Why not try the magnificent aged ribeyes or the Berkshire bacon or the saltbush lamb? Make uh, butcher Gary McBean your best mate when it comes to meat. They're in uh, they're at Paran Market. So he's, there um, you go, Gary. Uh, there you go, Michael. Just uh, hang on the line and we'll take your details. I think he's Matthew Leckie's uncle. There you go. Yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> Little known fact. Little known fact. There you go. Or we're getting related. We're getting a lot of text messages uh, just applauding the crowd on on the way they uh, pay tribute to Phil Hughes. And look, and, and well done to the A League and also the FFA uh, W League. They're all doing it this weekend. Uh, every game at the sixty third minute, there'll be a, a one minutes of applause. So. Uh, yeah, it, I tell you what, it rocked 
rocked the nation. I'm not sure why, you know, if you weren't a cricket supporter, but certainly did resonate with everyone. So well done, everyone, there tonight. Yeah, no, there, there you go. Rest in peace, uh, Phil Hughes. Hey, let's go to Bill in Layla. Wants to talk about the refereeing on the Civ Defence Hotline. G'day, Bill. Welcome to the show. How are you going, guys? Good, yeah, very well. Refereeing. Just want to talk about, as I said, the refereeing in general in regards to the competition all around. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better. It's probably getting worse in regards to, um, in regards to the contact. It's, the game is a contact sport where if there's a bit of body on body contact and you know, the bike falls over, doesn't mean the referee should be buying free kicks all the time. It's, it Bill, be. are you referring to the penalty, which I thought was non existent? Oh, that's. That's a totally different story. Well, anyway, that was totally not a penalty. But just uh, in general, in regards to fouls around the ground, and by you guys saying that, you know, players getting, uh, getting the referees, um, the referees hurt in regards to, you know, fouls and stuff like that, it's, the game's yeah. a complex sport. For me, it's, it's a bit of body-to-body contact, and they should be just let go and just play on because there's too much stuff start in the game, so... For me, just let it go, and it's, like I said, it's body-on-body. Yeah, look, I agree with you, Bill. I I think that there are many times in tonight's game where I don't know why the free kicks were given or why they had to stop the the game. As you say, and as Carlos, I think, mentioned before, the the players almost beg for free kicks every time they get touched these days or lately, and and it's very frustrating because I I think there is pressure on the referee to to sometimes respond and react, and it, it, it does halt the flow of the game and there were times where there were just decent tackles I think Leia put in a decent tackle towards the end and uh, no actually the one he put in no, towards no, the end was wasn't a good late. one yeah, yeah. but uh, earlier in the game there was yeah. a couple of decent tackles that people get the ball I think Valeria maybe did, did it and a free kick's given against them and they were they were given in front of the box and some of those were just dodgy I've got to say I disagree with you Vinny and I disagree with the caller to some degree. The players are contributing to this themselves. If they actually acknowledged a few fouls, if they got up off the ground, acknowledged the foul, went off their mark, actually got back into position and allowed the game to flow, they'd contribute to the game flowing themselves. Every decision, the player wants to get up, he wants to argue when he knows it's a foul, it's about time-wasting, it's about disrupting the flow of the opposition. It's a tactic these days. It's a tactic. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree and, with you. And I, I hope agree he doesn't get to... Remember the, the ugly Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, Gary Neville in the face, uh, Roy Keane in the face of referees in English football a few years ago? It was a very, very ugly look. Uh, bullying of the referee. There was a touch of that tonight, I felt. And I'm not saying the referee was competent. He, he, he didn't handle all that well. But, uh, but the players have got to uh, stop getting in their faces as, as, as by way of tactic and strategy. That's what they're trying to do. And you know what? They'd probably get a little bit back from the referee the other way with regards to the referee maybe not being so harsh with some decisions at a 50-50 because it's a bit of give and take. I mean, I think there's a rapport lost between the referee and the players. And the other thing that I'd say is what's the, what's the best way of creating the best referees? Are they born? in terms of their feel, their decision-making, the way they are report? Or is it, is it something that can be learnt? Because... But the, was the, I mean, we're taking a lot of time to talk about the referees at the moment. It doesn't affect the game. It didn't affect no. the game tonight. It wasn't the refereeing tonight that, affected, that, uh, that gave victory the win. So I just wonder how much effect the referees really do have, even if they have the odd 
you know, bad decision or whatever it is. But we, it seems to be a hot topic tonight for some reason, but I didn't think the referee influenced the game that much tonight. Hey, uh, 9429-1116, the Civ Defence Hotline. We're talking about referees, and Julian wants to keep the conversation going. G'day, Julian from Epping. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about the very poor deci- uh, the referee decision-making. I reckon my nonno or, <laughs> or nonna could have done it better. Jeez. It's really inconsistent. Um, Julian, can I ask how old your nonna and nonna are? Well, let's uh, probably uh, 46. <laughs> nah, you don't, don't sound very old at all there, Julian. 70, yeah. Okay. So, so um, Julian, you know, it's good that a young kid like you... So how old are you, by the way? Pardon? How old are you? 13. Yeah, it's good that a 13-year-old has the insight to be able to analyse and scrutinise a refereeing performance. But what about Victory? Are you a Victory man? Yeah. Okay, what do you think about them tonight? Oh, they played pretty decent, but I reckon the the defence a little bit stuffed up. Yeah, but, <laughs> just a little bit. But I reckon the referee was a bit inconsist- inconsistent. Like that free kick, I didn't see anything in it. That goal, that should have, it should have been a goal. There was nothing in it, and then that penalty, that penalty, there was yeah. nothing in that. Now, Julian, I know every young kitty, victory kitties, the big star, big hero is Archie Thompson. But how close is Ben Kalfalar at the moment? Are you loving him at the moment? Oh, he's. He's a good player, but he just can't finish. Ah. Bit harsh. Yeah, a bit harsh there, Julian. <laughs> he stumbles on opportunities. Yeah. Who's your, who's your favourite player before we let you go, mate? Uh, probably Finkel. Yeah, he's, he, was, he was good early in particular. I think he went off with a bit of an injury. Yeah, I know. Was it Kalfalo who put in, in, the, in the first half and pulled out a Galekovic save, save something? He was curling it yeah, around. Yeah, it was a beautiful shot. Yeah, but, but, but he had one or two quite ordinary shots too. But uh, I think he's been fantastic for mm. them. Good on you, Julian. I think you'll get a special lasagna this weekend from your <laughs> nonna. And well done. Hey, let's go to Gavin in Greensboro who wants to talk about tonight's game. G'day, Gavin. G'day, boys. How is he getting on? Yeah, Good, very mate. well. Well, I was just actually, I, I, don't get it wrong, both defenders were very bad, but I actually think it was the keepers. I think the victory's keeper, Nathan. I think he is shocking. Mm. Gee, he plays a high line. <laughs> well, he actually changed his game. He thinks he's Neymar now. <laughs> he does. 10, 15 yards outside his box. And that's for the free kick that went straight in the net. No mm. idea where he was. Yeah. Goals. He's, he's, they give him the ball and the worry because he can't kick the ball. So you'll notice they start going shorter for him because he never kicks the ball. Never. Yeah. He got, he, he, when he's when he's at he, when. Uh, by the way, Nathan Coe has good games too. I noticed a couple of weeks ago that he had a particularly good game. But when when he's at his worst, I think is when he goes wandering. When he, when you see him outside his penalty area when he doesn't <laughs> need to be there, uh, he tries to tries to sweep up at the back. But he just never gets it right. But uh, but look, you know, I think he's better than last year though, Gavin. I, I know he's had his moments and he, his positioning. Well, he lost at his time, spot last year, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, I think uh, his positioning at times. Uh, is, is found wanting, but uh, I think he's improved from last season. So, and really, victory on top of the ladder, and they haven't had too many of those games or that, that those defending efforts that they had tonight in other games. So, let's put it down as one of those uh, rare rare occasions this year. Thanks for that, uh, Gavin, and for your different take on the game. Uh, you're picking yourself up a fifty dollar gift voucher to. Sexyland. <laughs> For Sexyland, have more fun shopping. Check out sexyland.com.au. Uh, now, Warren, what can you buy for 50 bucks at Sexyland? <laughs> You'd know, wouldn't you? <laughs>
He's gone red. Uh. Yeah. Yes, um, thanks, thanks for your actually, call there, Gavin. Actually, uh, just interrupted me having a look at the catalogue while we're um, on here, Carlos, <laughs> so I'll let you know. Excellent. Hey, uh, let's go to Norrie on the uh, Civ Defence hotline and uh, from Mernda and wants to talk about one of the Diegos. G'day, Norrie. I think uh, Norrie might have left us, unfortunately, because he... Uh, he wanted to talk about Warren. I've never actually had a caller with, um, <laughs> specifically with wanted uh, to our talk producer about actually putting uh, my name... I'm really, really curious to know whether he was going to have a crack at you call or back, he's Norrie. Love. Come on, call back. I Nine. know that you want to support me. Nine call back. 9429-1116. Hey, Miles is in Moorlebark and wants to talk about Scotty Galloway and a whole lot of other stuff. G'day, Milesy. Milesy. Well, actually, it's about Milesy on my screen. So, but, Mark uh, Milligan's on the line <laughs> ringing up on Tuesday. Fantastic. Yeah, Milesy, that's right. Great that's game right. tonight, mate. Great game. Galloway had a great game. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's good Ansel got it some time, but Galloway's been going great this week and last week. He did very well. Now, Milsey, I'm not sure whether you saw... I was surprised he was substituted Galloway. I thought he did a great job in Thurio in the first half, and Thurio's been one of the best players in the A-League so far this season. I thought he kept him quiet and got forward a few times and actually had one shot that was uh, lashed just wide in that first half. I really liked the kid, and I, I spoke to Kevin Musk, uh, or it would have been a couple of months ago now, about him, and uh, he quietly said to me that he's something special. So uh, I was surprised they took him off, unless he's injured or tired or something, and then put Ansel at full back while they still had Broxham in the middle. So it was interesting, that move. Uh, maybe Kevin Musk had be just given up on defence by that stage and didn't care what he was doing. But, uh, but I agree with you. I really like him, uh, Millsy. I think you're right there. I think he just wanted to give Ansel some minutes and he thought the game was done. I, I'd also like to say... That- Supposedly 22,000 in there today, but it looked pretty full to yeah, me. Yeah, me too. I reckon. Uh, wh- yeah, why are they understating the figure? Is it a tax e- issue? <laughs> <laughs> Not wanting to pay the tax or something? Millsy, what's going on? That, that looked very full to yeah, me. It looked to me as it was a 25,000, 26,000 yeah. crowd, but obviously the numbers came up as 22. Yeah. Thanks for your call there, Millsy. Uh, let's go to Emily in Tullamarine. Um, wants to talk about the great man, Archie Thompson. G'day, Emily. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm really liking, as much as I love Archie and thought he's done so much for the team, especially over the last 10 years, but I'm I'm actually glad to be seeing him come on um, as a substitute as opposed to a starter. Um, Emily, are you giving up on Arch? No, not at all. Not giving up on him. Just showing that our team has progressed a lot and built a lot that we don't have to rely on him as our starting striker that we've we can move on from Archie being our go-to guy and being able to have him come on from the bench as a really good um, player to actually bring us forward in those last sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes when, we, when we're losing legs. Um, I'm liking that we're using him that way rather than trying to get him to get through a full 90 minutes, which, let's face it, he's, you know, he's an older player on the list and it's good to see him come on afterwards. I reckon now when he when he does come off the bench, he's just got a little bit more reason to play even better to take it up a notch that he wants to prove the the gaffer wrong and, and show listen. Yeah, he wouldn't be happy starting no, on the bench. But but he's he's good to watch. He's yeah, great. Arch 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 regards himself as the marquee player and he will until the day he stops playing. His so day, he's, yeah. he won't be happy being on that bench. His days as just a bench player, they're not there yet. I mean, no. he'll he'll start He'll sub. He'll be substitute. Sometimes it'll be on form. Sometimes it'll be on who they're playing. You know how many games in a row they've had. I think it would have. 
I think of all the games that Archie probably wouldn't have wanted to start as a substitute, today probably would have been one of those games with the 10th anniversary celebrations of the victory. But he he still got it. Ball at feet in and around the 18-yard box. He can still mesmerise yeah. defenders like he used to when he first started playing 10 years ago. So he's still got a very important position or especially, role to play. Especially Thanks, given the, the game, the way it developed into a counter-attacking sort of a game, that's just... Just absolutely made for Archie. Mm. He's made his whole life. He's become a millionaire with the counter-attacking goals. Mm. And that was uh, all set up for him tonight. Can I say one thing that I think is very interesting? Borussia sometimes goes so deep to, to get the ball. And then he'll, he'll, he gets it and then he sort of passes it on. Then he's got to run a mile and a half just to get to where he, you would have thought he would have been in the first place. Yeah. And, and I wonder whether that's a bit counterproductive to the guy because he's... He's just running his legs off yeah. for nothing. Barisha was as happy as Warren was tonight, to tell you the truth. He should have got a couple of cutbacks. That's disgraceful, get... too. He needs, to, yeah. he needs to tone that <laughs> down, too. Let's do that in the No, next seriously, hour. he needs to yeah. tone it down. Yeah. Thanks for your call there, Emily. Uh, that uh, from Gazy in Leverton, best call all night. Well done, On you, uh, Emily. Emily. Um, you going to give her a prize? Well, I will, and I'm just trying to work out. Uh, you gave the sexy land voucher well, away. <laughs> you know, sorry about that, Emily, but you can't get that. Um, the spring campaign. Congratulations. You've won an Elmore oil pack, which includes two new Elmore oil muscle ache cream okay. with heat. I thought it was all for the car. No, not all. It's uh, Elmore oil arthritis relief, Elmore oil arthritis relief roll on. It's valued at 130 oh. odd bucks. I think um, Emily will be able to use that in about 15 not, years. I'm 20 not years. Saying, yeah, I'm not saying that you, you've <laughs> got aches and pains now, but whenever you get them, uh, with thanks to Elmore Oil, it's the Elmore Oil Pack. Well done. Or, it's Australia's favourite topical anti-inflammatory. Topical or tropical? If, I said topical. <laughs> it says topical. Um, and it's uh, suitable for long-term use, and it's available at pharmacies yep. across Australia. Warren, mm. Norrie is back from Mernda. Norrie, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you, guys? Yeah, very well. Good. You want to speak to Warren Diego directly? Yeah, mate, I've been hanging for ages. I made a mistake before, but Warren, were you at the game? No, no, I wasn't at the game, Norrie. I was no, watching it next I, to Carlos. Yeah, can I just say it was quite obvious you weren't at the game? <laughs> uh, because, I mean, you, was, you were talking before about Scott Gallagher, Galloway and why would No, that wasn't me, Norrie. Oh, well, no, was no, it was me. It was me, Norrie. I was sitting next yeah, to Warren. You were, about, you were talking about the coaches and how uh, they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, get off the field, Norrie. That's what I said. These two guys are fantastic. And the other thing was about the referee and you're saying about the, the players assaulting the referee and complaining. Mate, if you never complained about that referee tonight, there's <laughs> something wrong with you. He's yeah. bloody terrible. Yeah, but Norrie, every free kick... You know, we we noticed no, no, it was no, noticeable. No, not every free kick, man. No, it wasn't. Uh, we, no, we were watching it right through the second half. We weren't at the ground, but we were watching it on TV. Norrie, it was really, really noticeable tonight. Every free kick. It wasn't only the, the person who, who uh, perpetrated the free kick, but it was also the person who got the free kick were in the referee's face. I mean, the amount of intimidation on that referee tonight was huge. But I hear you, Norrie, about, uh, about the refereeing. There's a lot of work to do there. Um, the point I was making about Galloway, if we want to go back to that, was I didn't know. Uh, we've had a text come through. Apparently he was injured. That's why he got taken off. But up until that point, I thought he was a terrific uh, a terrific performer for them tonight, Norrie. Injured me. I mean, that's the reason he went off the ground. 
So um, look, you guys are good. I had two guys from they listened to three AW, and I said, no, no, listen to the the, the Diego's are fantastic. <laughs> you your, first ten, your first ten minutes, mate, were terrible. <laughs> well, it was Warren. It was Warren for ten minutes. It was Warren. You I was did. walking up Swan Street. I went to the game, Norrie. <laughs> yes. No, you just you've just got to hang in there, Norrie. The game's a game of opinions. Yes. And I and I formed a couple of opinions that I had the privilege of actually speaking into a microphone and having people listen. So I apologise. No, you don't no, apologise. No, 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 I'm apologising for the ten, first ten minutes. <laughs> you have an opinion and Norrie has an opinion. That's what makes this great, you know, great two hours of Keep calling, Norrie, and I'm, I'll lift my game after hey, the next hey, hour. Norrie, you're still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Mate, just, just because um, you told your mates to turn it off that other station... <laughs> You've won yourself a $50 Midas voucher. It's Midas Auto Care for essential service, Midas Auto Care for your extensive service, wow. and Midas Auto Care for your logbook service. Midas stores can also assist you with vehicle repairs, brake suspension, and exhaust requirements. To book, contact 13 Midas 136432 or book online at midas.com.au. Well done there, Norrie. So, Norrie, thanks. how was our first 10 minutes now? <laughs> I don't know. I think you've virtually come good now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just for that, just for that, you're picking up two beautiful Bataki Christmas hands. Wow! There you go. Oh, you're a champion. Oh, you're hey, Rodrigo. There you go. You're really good now. Oh, yes. you're Norrie. Good um, on you, mate. I feel like Santa Claus. Well done, Norrie. <laughs> hey, uh, it was a good win by Melbourne Victory. They defeated Adelaide United 3-2 in front of 22-odd thousand people at Amy Park. Let's take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's final whistle on 11.16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. The day after David Beckham was sent off for kicking Diego Simeone in the 1998 World Cup against Argentina, in many people's minds contributing to England's premature exit from the tournament, the Daily Telegraph in the UK wrote, The Versace sarong, posh spice, cool Britannia, look at me, what a lad, loads of money, sex and shopping, fame school, daytime TV, overcoiffed twerp, did not of course mean any harm. I think this journo took it rather badly, don't you think? Gee, I love this game. We are the Four Diegos. On 11.16 SEN, the Four Diegos. Yes, it is the Diego's final whistle here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Melbourne victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2 at Amy Park. They are still undefeated in front of 22,000 people or thereabouts. Bogard and Thierry scored own goals for Melbourne victory. Broxham scored again this year. He scored in the 31st minute. Mabil and Karuska scored for Adelaide United. It is the Civ Defence hotline tonight on 9429-1116 and we'll go straight to Michael from Essendon. Wants to talk about... Michael from Preston, I should say, wants to uh, have a chat to Warren Diego. <laughs> Warren, you're very, very popular tonight. G'day, Michael. Michael? Yeah, g'day, uh, Warren, is it? Yeah, well, we're... No, no, well, you're speaking to me now, Michael. How are you going? Yeah, good, Warren. Um, are, you a, are you an advocate for another code, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like Wait. that sometimes, doesn't he? No, no. What, why would you I say that? I was convinced. I was convinced, um... You know, we, we talk about the coaches, and look, obviously, it's a game of opinions. Coaches uh, come out onto the pitch, but that's that's more to say that they are normal human beings that we aspire to, that young kids, I know my kids, when I take my kids to the games, they want autographs, even from the coaches. So I think that's a great thing. That That's the biggest positive uh, 
that's the biggest positive that's come out of this today. Three Diego's concur with you. No, Michael, Michael? I think you're you're not um, you're not confusing what I'm saying. But basically, what I'm I'm trying to say is that the coaches, I think, should respectfully thank each other at the end of the game, concede, and then basically retreat to the club rooms. I mean, I don't see the need for them to spend a a large amount of time on the field. And the perfect emphasis and example of that last week was, to me, the potential dispute between Ali Abbas and Kevin Musket a couple of weeks ago when Kevin Musket was on the field with Graham Arnold and Graham Arnold had to physically restrain or stop Kevin Musket from pursuing a conversation. Yes, the game is emotional. It's a game of opinions. But I don't think... At the end of the game, the, the coaches should be spending large amounts of time out on the field thanking every player. Maybe you should, There's spend, plenty maybe, of opportunity maybe you should be Kevin sending Muscat. maybe you should be sending Ali Abbas into the change rooms earlier because more of the issues with Ali Abbas involve him with other players, uh, and he may have baited. Who knows? He may have baited Kevin Musket. And, and Michael, your kids, I think, want autographs, you know, and that's why there's. You know, fun days for Melbourne Victory to commemorate 10 years tomorrow. Kevin Musker will sign 4,000 autographs. He'll sign 4,000 autographs for young kids as the team is doing the warm-up before the game. He's not signing autographs at the end of the game. He's going out on the field. Sometimes he actually won the game today and felt the need to go up to the referees this is, after this the is game. really ridiculous. It isn't. Your, your argument isn't. is ridiculous. It isn't. He went he, up to the referees entitled? after he's won the game to complain about a decision, a non-penalty, when he'd won the game. He's I don't understand that. entitled to be on that ground and... Uh, and uh, Unleash whatever emotion he's oh, feeling like, like everyone has. Absolutely. Whether it's unbridled joy or disappointment, he's, uh, he's able to do that, and I'm all for it. Thanks for your call, Michael. Let's go to Ted in Templestowe. Um, just to defuse the situation a bit, wants to talk about the referees. <laughs> g'day, Ted. Welcome to the show. Yeah, g'day. Um, yeah, I think we should think a little bit how, how difficult it is for the referees. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if, if a referee in our opinion, is having a bad day, why would you not as a player say, well, I'm not going to take her from behind? Why wouldn't you say, I'm not going to give away seven free kicks around the box? And to say that the referee never influenced the game, they could have scored from at least half of them. And then, you know, what would this thing be then? You know, it's players... Why did Barbarossa's tackle from behind in the corner flag? The bloke can't go anywhere. But there's that fine line between being competitive and doing what the coach wants you to do and having a real crack there, Ted, and, and crossing the line and giving away a free kick. So I didn't feel tonight, even though the, everyone's been very critical about the refereeing, and they have been very critical, to be fair, all season about the refereeing, I didn't think tonight's game was determined by a referee's mistake or whatever. I, I thought Victory were always going to win that game, even Adelaide looked like they were, you know, they could score. I think Victory were the better side tonight, and it, I don't think the refereeing affected the uh, the result of the game tonight. There are a few times in the game tonight, though, I, I think that uh, players, players do commit fouls, and they commit 
professional fouls. And what I what I can't stand is when you know they've committed a, pers- a professional foul. They know they've committed yeah. a professional foul, but the hand goes up as if no, I didn't commit it. Yeah. And then they'll even argue the point that they didn't yeah. commit it. They that's a point. That's I can't point. stand that's that. That's a point. Yeah, that's a point. Here's an interesting text from Johnny Paul Melbourne. Just look at the Premier League table. Liverpool in a relegation battle. Warren's on edge, getting more, <laughs> getting more bitter by the week. Thank you very much, yeah, there, Johnny Paul Melbourne. Thanks for the call, Ted. Let's go to Max in Essenton, Essenton, and <laughs> Essendon as well. Um, I've been barracking for them for the last forty odd years, but uh, let's go to let's go to Essendon, Max. Welcome to the show. Hey, boys, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Uh, good and annoyed. Oh, annoyed. Why? Good because obviously there's football to watch, and annoyed because a refereeing and players just wasting time, falling over after the slightest little touches. They'll they'll get touched like a flea with a flea. And they'll yep. go down complaining that they've broken a wrist. I'm with you completely. They, they, these players, they'll say that they are well-oiled, fine-tuned, delicate machines and and therefore the slightest sort of knock can, can throw the whole system out. But I, I, I tend to think they go down a bit too easily too, Max. Yeah, but it's all part of the game, video. I mean, we've got to accept that now. I don't think they'll ever go out. It's, it's, it's as strong now as it ever has been. It's un-Australian, Carlos. It's that's, true. That's it's not how true, we play our but game. if you're going to get the likes of some of the Spanish quality that we're going to get, you're going to also get the ugly stuff too where they go down too easily. And, uh, and, you know, and you're going to get the frustration from the Australian-born players who just didn't grow up doing that. So uh, it's, it's a tinderbox. And it was, at times tonight... Uh, we got uh, players, uh, you know, fronting up to each other when someone had sort of fell to the ground too easily. Uh, unfortunately, that's what we get when two teams really want to win and the two teams of the quality that we saw tonight. That was a really, really great contest tonight. Uh, when I say great contest, bad defending, but they were really at each other mm. from the first minute. Thanks for your call, Maxi. Let's go to Shane in Rye before the break. Uh, wants to talk about uh, Daniel Georgievsky. G'day, Shane. Welcome to the show. G'day, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Very uh, happy victory fan driving home. I must admit, left the ground a little bit late. Young uh, Daniel Georgievsky signed every kid's autograph and posed for every photo that anyone wanted from him today. And I've got my nine-year-old boy next to me, next to me, and he's got a new favourite player for what he did tonight. Yeah, and no, I think that's really good. And that's the that's the great thing of interacting with the crowd, the players mingling amongst the players. But the, the coaches crowd. don't yeah. allow to. If your boy correct. had gotten uh, yeah. the coach's yeah. Yeah. signature. Warren would have disapproved. It's not about the coaches. Shane, would, if Kevin Musket came over to your son, would your son be just as just ex- as excited getting his signature too? He's nodding his head, yes. Oh, right, there you go. So it's uh, affirmation straight there away. There you go, there you go. There you go. So you good on, good on you and good on your son for getting it, Shane, and good on Daniel Georgievsky for actually put, making the time to do it. And you can probably get Kevin Musket's signature at the... Uh, Family fun day tomorrow. Now, Shane, did you have a quiet chat to him about not ball watching also? <laughs> uh, I let him go. Yeah, good on I'm, you, mate. I'm not allowed to bag him now. He's my son's favourite No, it's player. true. It's true. No, no. And by the way, he's a goer. He's a real... I mean, he, I feel at times he gives the ball away too easily, uh, but he's a goer. And I think that's what Kevin Musket likes about him. He's uh, really, really up for a battle. Uh, even though Mabil, I thought, had the better of him in the first half. Second half... Uh, I'm not sure whether Adelaide wanted to give Mabil the ball or not, but uh, he certainly was starved of it, and that might have been Georgeski lifting too. There you go. And for being the last caller of the hour there, uh, Shane, I'm going to give you a prize pack. Listen to this. You've won 18 holes of golf for you and a mate. 
maybe your son at Keysborough Golf Club, perfectly positioned within Melbourne's famous sandbelt courses. It's a demanding and challenging layout. Go to keysboroughgolf.com.au. Plus, you've won for you and a friend wow. a Comics Lounge Gold Pass. <laughs> Go to thecomicslounge.com.au for more details. Plus a copy of the 139th edition of the Betfair 2014-2015 Miller's Guide, which features both racing and sporting records, with thanks to our friends at Miller's Guide, millersguide.com.au, plus two beautiful <laughs> Bataki Christmas hams, plus a, a barbecue of, at Daniel Georgeski's that's place. That's right, <laughs> plus a copy of SEN's Inside Football magazine. So well done, Shane. That is the last prize of the hour. Congratulations to you and your son. Not only did you get Daniel Georgeski's uh, signature, you got the prize pack with thanks to SEN there you go let's go to a break now and come back with more of the Diego's final whistle as Melbourne victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2 at Amy Park tonight it's uh, on 11-16 SEN Melbourne's home of sport awesome 20 yards On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Yes, we're here with the Four Diego's final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. And tonight, Melbourne victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2. Bogart scored a own goal for Melbourne victory in the seventh minute. Mobile then scored for Adelaide in the 13th minute, making it one all. Thirio then scored an own goal uh, in the 16th minute. It was 2-1. Lee Broxham then scored a header in the 31st minute. It was uh, 3-1 at that point. And then Karuska scored a penalty uh, in the 36th minute to make it 3-2. And that's how it finished at Amy Park in front of over 22,000 people. Um, We've been talking to you all night and we'd love to take your calls right throughout the uh, last hour here on 9429-1116. It is the Civ Defence. All your text messages on 0433981116. Vinny's here, Warren's here, Carlos is here, it's Rodrigo Rodriguez. But let's go straight to Jim, who's in Adelaide, wants to talk about uh, the tactics by the coaches. G'day, Jim. How you going, boys? Yeah, good very mate. well. Have I caught you at a bad time? No, not, not at all. <laughs> no, we're good. Um, we're just chewing the fat here. Yeah. You know, if you want to interrupt, you can. By the way, our production team is <laughs> booing you there, Jim. It's okay. Uh, um... <laughs> Yeah, there's a few more things you're going to hear tonight that you've probably never heard of. Now, I'll start off by saying about the refereeing. Now, yep. I, ref- I coach a Div 4 amateur referee um, here in Adelaide, and uh, after a couple of games, the boys have walked off and gone, geez, that referee was shocking. I'm thinking, boys, the referees are at the same standards of what you guys are playing. If the referee is really bad, yeah. you guys are playing at a really bad level. You know? Mm. So that's how I see it. I mean, even Division 11, the boys come off and say, geez, that referee was bad. I'm thinking, Guys, you're playing Division 11. There's a reason why you're playing Division 11. If you want a really good referee, go and, go and play at a high level. you lost the dressing room yet, Jim? Sorry? Have you lost that dressing room yet? <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet. Because I started the club and I run the club. Okay. Right. Uh, you can't right. sack yourself. You're the president. Uh, now, Jimmy, Don't um, lose the social club. So, Jim, uh, uh, what's your comment about the refereeing tonight, though? Because it's a higher level. Well, I reckon it was pretty good, okay. to be honest with you. I mean... Uh, you got uh, I, know, I don't know who said it, but about the players being in the uh, in the referee's face, it's all for a reason. Yeah, it's all intimidation. I mean, Broxton's uh, 
with two minutes to go, brought down Zajite running on into an open goal. Broxham got up and got in the referee's face yeah. to say he wouldn't get sent off, and that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it was something that I saw in the EPL, especially in the Manchester United days when the Nevilles were playing and and Roy Keane were all in that Manchester United side and the Arsenal team of that era also. It was ugly, really looked ugly. and In fact, it, it forced the EPL to come down hard on those uh, clubs and uh, the whole respect campaign in England came out of that. But uh, I'm seeing it creep in. When, us, when Muskie was playing for victory, they were doing a lot, but then it... I don't know it sort of sort of waned away, but now I, I'm seeing a lot more of it this season. Because on the same tackle, you got one player arguing, you know, it wasn't a free kick, and then you have got the opposition arguing, well, that should be yellow card. Yeah, like, that's right. On the yeah. How can you one team be arguing there wasn't a free kick, and the same man, the same foul, the other team arguing, or oh, he should be getting yellow for that tackle? So, come on, man, Jimmy. Can yeah, I ask yeah. you a question? Just off the topic no. a little bit. Uh, Awa Mobile. I, what a special talent he is. I thought he was one of your best, especially in the first half tonight. The goal he scored, he could have had the other one if he, if he had his kicking boot on right. He could have had two. And he was ripping apart Daniel Georgeski in that first half. Uh, the talk of him going to Ajax for a trial, is that worrisome for you? Oh, look, if you just bought a brand new car and... Uh, sorry, if you had an old collector's car and was worth, you know, you paid ten grand for it and someone's going to offer you 100000 for it, no matter how much you love that car, wouldn't you get rid of it? That's an analogy that my dad would give me, Jim. <laughs> yeah, but the one thing I would like to say, Jim, I don't want to lose him before he's absolutely ready to know, go because yeah. he'll fall into the category that Carlos has of players going overseas, and particularly you say Asia, Carlos, but I think yeah. you could probably expand that. I think the players that go to Europe, they lose their way when they come back. Too and early, it takes too early. Yeah, too early. Yeah. You don't want to see that because... He is a precocious talent. I think Adelaide didn't get the ball to him enough in the second half, to be honest with yeah. you. But you wouldn't want to see him go spend three or four years in the wilderness and then have to come back because I think he's one of those guys that could be nurtured to be... He's already played for the... for The um, young Socceroos. The young Socceroos. I think he's a player that can really be nurtured, Jim. Yeah, look, look. Um, very frustrating. A few times he could have cut it back into the middle of the park where two or three guys are waiting. Still raw, but... If you can sell him and get two Karuskas, you'd be happy with that? You probably would. Yeah, but you've got to find the Karuskas first because they're, you know, well, they're, they're bargains. There. They're not easy to get those guys. Well, they're out there, trust me. Mm. And, uh, um, I just uh, went to uh, a beach on the Greek island and I was just watching this guy play and doesn't play for any club. He's just an amateur player in Greece. And, uh, <laughs> mate, this guy was unbelievable. And uh, he could play anywhere any place in Australia, but um, they're out there. You just got to find them. But on the tactics, someone mentioned one of you guys mentioned today about uh, the defence today. Will that win your championship? Look, um, if you're playing against Graham Arnold team, you wouldn't have played like you did today. Both coaches wouldn't have played like that because Graham Arnold is an ultra. In fact, Graham Arnold has invented a new position in soccer, and that was uh, Matt Simon. He made a defensive striker out of him, and. Uh, <laughs> And amazing as it sounds, yeah, you wouldn't be playing like that against a great Marmel team, but they played Ducks and Drapes because they know Ella's attacking attacking team, they know Melbourne's attacking team, so you can get away with it. So it's all horses for courses. 
There you go. Thanks for your call, Jim. Hey, that's a very yeah. good point you made. Really good points tonight, and uh, we really and muskets at call. Elwood Beach as we speak, looking yeah. for that next star. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your call, Jim. There from Adelaide made some good points. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. It is the Civ Defence Hotline. Give us your call tonight. We'd love to have a chat to you, uh, Vinny. You were at the game tonight. What was, was, what was the atmosphere like? I tell you what, they were just they, they were making. It was just fantastic. I, that's the only word I can use to, tonight. It was just. It felt safe. It wasn't threatening. Uh, the terraces were just making a lot of noise, a lot of chanting, constant chanting. I think they could uh, give the Japan fans a, a run <laughs> for their money, actually. They, they did re- really well. They've got drums there too now, so yeah. they've just gone up a level. So uh, it was excellent. Yeah, Jonathan Howcroft was on the, on the show before, on the, on the call. Cool. He was basically talking about Melbourne Victory being a great team in terms of their fan base and the noise they make worldwide, not just Australia-wide. Now, take out the huge teams in the competition in, in world sport. You know, you look at Spain. They've got um, at least 10 teams with stadiums of less than 30,000 capacity that they don't always fill. If you take out the big half a dozen or 10 teams in the Premier League and you look at the other teams that wouldn't get more than 30,000 or average, no, not much more than 25,000. You look at the teams in the championship, you know, the victory would have average higher higher attendances than those teams. They make more noise. They've got more atmosphere about the way that they support. I think, you know, pound for pound, victory fans support their team equally to any fans in the competition. And we're talking about the A-League only being 10 years old. If it continues mm. to evolve the way it is... Okay. Yep. You can imagine Victory having forty to oh, fifty thousand members Victor, in twenty in ten years' would, time. Do we all agree that Victory, as much as you know, they they own the town and City have got they've really got a big job to catch up with them by way of memberships and and you know attendances and so forth. But really, they've got a long way to go to get everything right too. They've only just started under Musket now after some success under Merrick. Just started under Musket getting looking like they're going to have a sustained period of success. If they can get it right and recruit the right players, which I think they're doing at the moment, the Barishas, uh, even Ben Kalfala, uh, the, you know, uh, Finkler, these sort of players who aren't kids who are learning the game, but they're actually been around the block a bit, and they win regularly, this is a club that I believe home games, 40,000 mm. people. They're going, to, they're going to have to play at Etihad, and that, that's disappointing because I'd much rather than play at Amy Park, but this is a club that can actually bring in, on average, 40,000 people to their home games every game, which suddenly gets them up easily to some of the big European clubs yep. by way numbers. Be uh, the, they could be easily the biggest club in Asia by... Oh, there's some big clubs in Japan still. I mean, yeah, they, they get 60,000. Every... I mean, El no, Halal in Saudi Arabia gets 60,000 people at their games. Yeah, but I, I, I also think in... And I'm not saying Japan and Korea because they are obviously very um, competitive leagues, but for the but for the supporter base within Australia, what victory could become in 20 years after well, compared, 20 years compared is to other quite sports, incredible. Compared to other sports in Australia, their fan base is is equivalent to those sports, especially you know some mm. of the AFL clubs and especially Absolutely. the cricket and, and so forth. I They've mean, got the other twenty thousand members after ten, you know, twenty thousand yeah. members, and they still haven't got it right. So, um, like you said, imagine ten years' time when they really put everything in place 
to get sustained success. Those star players, the marquee type players, that's really important. And playing a really great brand of football is really important. The interesting thing too about the A-League, given there are very few sort of derby games, genuine, there's only Sydney's got two teams and Melbourne's got two teams. You're filling out, 22,000 is just your one, one team supporter base. And so that's quite phenomenal. Yep. And, and, and the noise that they're generating and that excitement, that, that's a magnet for other people. You, If you were watching the game, if you'd come as a neutral to watch the game tonight and you were in that crowd, you, you would have been blown away and you'd think, geez, we've got to come back again. This yep. is dynamite. And I would say um, that the next thing for the victory, I don't think there's any doubt they'll finish, you know, either top two, probably top, every chance of making the grand final. With this squad of players, with Barisha and Calfalar and Del Pierre when he comes back, the next challenge for them, if they have the season that we think they're going to have, is to, is to take on the Asian Champions League with the determination and the effort and the focus, because they've actually got a squad good enough to do it. That would be the icing on the cake, because you get the most dominant club in terms of numbers and support in your domestic competition, then making a charge in, in Asia, um, that would only reinforce the yeah. victory there's, as the biggest club. There's a new emphasis on the Asian Champions League now with what West Sydney Wanderers have done. Everyone saw the benefits of making it all the way to the finals. I mean, West Sydney Wanderers had you know three or four-minute packages on Channel 9 News mm. in the lead-up. And, uh, and then you, you've got the FFA Cup that suddenly Bentley mm. Grizz on the Channel 9 News, would you believe? There are benefits taking the Champions League seriously, and I think everyone saw that with West, West Sydney Wanderers. North Terrace were great tonight. Choreography organised and paid for by the Terrace itself. A lot of credit over the years needs to go to them for being the benchmark and getting the European ultra scene influences into the A-League. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Nice, uh, text. Hey, as we go to a break, let's have a listen to the coach, Kevin Musket, after the game as he spoke to Michael Zapponi from Fox Sports. Well, Kevin, uh, does that one mean more than just the three points? Look, ultimately, uh, you know, we only received three points for that, but... You know, we'll, we'll take a lot away from that. You know, the performance in the first half, and you know, we've, we're in control of the game. And I mean, if, if that was a penalty, I don't know how. You know, if we get a penalty against us, which makes the game interesting and, and obviously gives them, uh, you know, a, a little bit of confidence, how that's not a penalty in the last few minutes is beyond me. Uh, but having said that, I, I thought we worked very, very hard in that first half and and, and controlled the game for long periods and, and looked very, very threatening and and got the start we deserved. You're quite combustible tonight. Was it the sense of occasion, or just uh, getting getting the better of you? No, it's just how I am. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, it's just how I am. I'm not going to make uh, any excuses for it. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and that's it. Great performance, as you said, particularly in the first half. What about the second? Uh, Adelaide seemed to get a little bit more of the ball. Was it a fact that you couldn't really maintain that intensity for 90 minutes? Look, the longer it went at three-two, I thought, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, you know, t- they took some risks and uh, went three at the back. And uh, at that point, you know, we had, an, we had two or three very, very good chances where we could have killed the game off uh, going the other way. The longer that we don't get that goal, obviously gives them a little bit of ascendancy because they had uh, a bit of the ball. But uh, I thought we defended ever so well. You know, ever I thought we defended so well. And you know, I just, I mean, I. That being, I mean, there were so many free kicks given, and you know, there's no doubt a lot of them were, but a lot of them weren't. And uh, man, it's something obviously we don't like to see, but we're going to have to live with it. 
I asked uh, Mark the same question. That composure in the final third. Uh, Costa Barbarusas keeps on getting into good positions. Calfella, we've seen him over the last few weeks. We saw Bess Aparisha perhaps lose his temper a little bit in frustration, as you can imagine, uh, in the moment. What's your message to the front three? Look, the, the message is uh, it's quite simple. You know, and what we've got to understand is, you know, when they're, when they're breaking there, when they're running into that box, they're running at top speeds. Uh, and uh, a slight miscue. You know, can uh, obviously you know take the ball you know in a direction they don't want to, but uh, mate, the message is keep doing it. I'm I'm more than happy with our front third. Thanks, Kevin. Cheers, thank you, Zappa. On eleven sixteen, SEN, the Four Diego's. Yes, it is the final whistle when Melbourne Victory defeated Adelaide United 3-2 at Amy Park in front of over 22,000 people. It was a great victory from Melbourne Victory and uh, we're very fortunate tonight to have one of the young guns on the line. Scott Galloway, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you going? Yeah, very well, thank you. We've got, this is Rodrigo Rodriguez, you've got Vinny Venezuela, Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. Um, just don't, don't, you don't have to remember those names. But, um, <laughs> hey, mate, congratulations on a very good win by the club. There was heart-in-the-mouth stuff there for a little while, but uh, you must be very pleased, and the boys must be very pleased to get the three points. Yeah, it was. It's, it's always going to be a big game. It's always a blockbuster against Adelaide, especially at Amy Park. But it was great to come away with the three points. Um, I thought they were well-deserved. Um, and, yeah, it was just always cheers after as well. It was really good to get the result. Scotty, it's Carlos. Uh, just to allay the fears of many of our callers tonight, worried about why you were left, left the ground early after having such a great game. I thought you did a fantastic job in Thierio tonight. Uh, are you injured? And if you are, is it something you can get over pretty quickly? Uh, it was just like a, just a small niggle in, in my quad. But it was just more precautionary coming off. Um, didn't want to risk it to get any worse. And then all of a sudden, didn't want to be a bit of a liability being on the field, not being at uh, 100%. So... It was uh, the right decision to come off and um, Nick Hansel to come on who could play the game out to the best ability. Scott, Vinny Venezuela here. When uh, Adelaide scored two own goals, were you guys tempted to go and just congratulate their players? Because, you know, <laughs> the first one was a cracker. Yeah, I'll do. Um, with both the first two goals being own goals. But um, I really just went up to who delivered the ball and just gave them the, gave them the goal, really. <laughs> Now, Scott, uh, Warren Diego here. I heard Andrew Naboo on the radio before the game, and I'm just wondering, players will be, t- will be asked about the depth of the squad and the competitiveness of places, and I think, I think it's never been any more obvious than that at the victory, and everyone says it's really good and we're improving. For a young player like yourself, it must be a bit nerve-wracking, I suppose, every week to be fronting up to training, you're working as hard as you possibly can, you're not sure of a game. In fact, in a lot of ways, you're not even sure of actually getting a spot on the bench. It's so competitive. How do you find that? Is it a bit of a roller coaster in terms of, you know, being able to secure your place and keep your place? Or is it something that drives you and, and is really exciting about playing for the victory? I think it really drives you. It, um, it's probably the best bit about it. It pushes everyone to, to be their best uh, try and get selected like um at the end like the coach makes the decision of who plays he'll pick his best 11 best on the bench as well um for that week that he thinks would perform the best but even in training um like you said no one knows if they're going to be playing or if they're not going to be playing so everyone goes to the best of their ability to push for that spot which drives training even more which improves the team more i think it's really good i think it's probably one of one of the best attributes of the club and tell me um how does that process work at the victory? Like, is it 
you get handed the orange vest on a Thursday and you know you're in a bit of trouble. How does the process of working through a week and working towards getting selected and starting, how does that work for a player? It just goes through the whole week. You, you don't know you're playing until the day. Uh, obviously, some players might get a bit of idea when we do shape. Uh, anything can change at any moment. Um, anything can happen in training. Someone can get injured, so everyone's got to be ready to be able to play to step up. So everyone's just there to support each other and they're just hoping that they're going to play. And if they don't play, they're there to support the players that are playing. Now, Scotty, you, you know, you've been up against some fantastic players this season. You've done wonderfully well against them. I know a couple of weeks ago you were against David Villa, and, uh, yep. and even when he was running right at, at some points of the game, you were getting some tackles in, you're getting good body contact on him. What's that do? I mean, even Thierry tonight, I thought you did a fantastic job on him. Uh, what does that I mean? Does that give you enormous confidence when you lay a tackle on David Villa? And this guy's not a dud. This guy's not finished. He's actually can still play. You're winning a clean tackle on him and running away and using the ball uh, with him not even uh, even attempting to run after you. Uh, what's that do to your confidence? Oh, it gives you plenty of confidence. Like he, he just the name says it all. He, he came from winning a Champions League, um, playing no winning the La Liga to a Champions League final to the World Cup to playing against him. It's it's like a, it's a massive moment in my career to come up against like a player like that. But this year, you really look at him like another player. You just got to do your job on them, uh, regardless of who they are. Obviously, you have respect for the player and what they've done in their career. But in the end, it's uh, it's it's your job to to get one over them. Vinny here again, Scott. I, I, I want to know at the end of the game, did Joseph Gombau come up and congratulate you at all? And did that make you feel good, or or how do you feel about uh, the rival coach coming in? And you're just saying, giving you a pat on the back. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get to see him after the game. I was sort of struggling to walk around a little bit, and went up to just the rest of their team that we played against, and obviously the boys that I know from their team. But I didn't get to see him. But when uh, another coach comes up to you, it's uh, it's a great compliment to you. Um, like they just don't always just do it just for the sake of doing it. And do you ever slip a business card in just in case? No, no, no. He just gives him his uh, Twitter handle or his Facebook handle. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, we're speaking with Melbourne Victory's young gun, Scott Galloway. Hey, Scott, um, we've been talking a lot in the first hour of this show about the coaches and you know how loud they get on the sideline and um, even some coaches you know, doing goal celebrations themselves. Um, is that a good thing that when you see Kevin Musket get so animated? Does, does, does that... Do you see that? And if when you do see him get really agitated or animated or very loud, um, how does that make you feel on the pitch? It's good. I think it fires you up. It shows how passionate they are. Um, and once the players see that, it's the, the club's like a family. Everyone's in it together. Everyone wants the same outcome. Um, so when they, you see the coach like that, you, you know he's passionate and he's one of the best. And uh, Musket is like that. The role of the modern day fullback, Scott, in terms of the balance between attacking and defending, is it is it a hard? I mean, I think in some ways it's a position that's changed immensely in the modern game. Whereas traditionally fullbacks were part of a, a defensive back four with a defensive mindset. Is it is it a hard balance to actually get to? Because what's happening is you go too far forward, you've got an attacking fullback who's coming at you or a, or a wing-back who's coming at you. It must be a very difficult balance to, to strike. Yeah, it's just, it's, the more you go on the game, the more you learn, the more times you realise when is the right time to go forward, when's the right time to sit back. But it's great. It's another player adding to the attack. So 
it's always going to help. But like you said, you can go forward, and if you lose the ball, then yeah, you got to bust bust your ass to get back. Now, Scotty, all, the news in the last couple of weeks is Awar Mobile's going to. He's been identified by AX Amsterdam. He's going to be there on a trial, and uh, and I've been over to AX and watched the sort of players they recruit there. He's yeah. that template of the sort of player that they might pick up, and he's been fantastic himself in the A League this season. I, I put you in that same class. I mean, you're in the same uh, young Socceroos squad with him at the la- at the latest tournament. Um, do you ever do you consider at all? Uh, a, a career overseas at this point. I mean, do you, do you know what, what part of your career you might make the move? Because if you're playing first team football in the A League as an 18, 19 year old, and you're playing well, and uh, and you're really doing the job on some really good players, you'll be identified very, very soon if you're not already. Uh, is there any pressure for you to start thinking about an overseas move? Oh, like every footballer, the, the dream is to go overseas. Um, I, I'm extremely happy for AY that he's getting the opportunity. I'm good friends with him. Like you said, I played with him in the Young Socceroos. I wish him all the best. Um, but right now, this, it's mostly just concentrating on trying to play each week and trying to improve. And so when the opportunity does come around, if it comes around, that you're ready to to make to take it with both hands, and um, you, you're not going to let it slip. Uh, sometimes it comes around once. Sometimes it comes around more. So. It's more about just concentrating on the here and now, um, but then also dreaming of the, the future as well. Well, the Diego's have got a player agency that you can sign up with, mate. We've got <laughs> networks everywhere in Oceania <laughs> to take you. Any club in the Oceania you want to go to. Vanuatu, yeah, yeah, big in Vanuatu. <laughs> uh, now, Scotty, one last one, mate. Uh, I did have a chat to uh, Kevin Musket. Uh, a few months ago, and we, you know, your name came up in the conversation, and he's a big rap for you, as if you didn't know yourself. Tell us about him as a as a coach to a younger player like you does, does he does he look after you does he give you a hug does he point the finger in the breastbone and really have a crack at you when you're not up to it how's he what's your relationship with kevin musket uh for me he's, he's a great men- mentor great friend and a great coach um he looks out for the young players as well as looking out for every player um but when i first came to the club he was a, a massive help to me when he was the assistant coach with everything um he helped me. I was new to the A-League. I was new to that standard of football. And I put everything down for me being able to handle it to him and the work and the time and the, the overtime that he put into helping me and preparing me for it. And he does the same things now. Um, the whole coaching staff does. They, they look out for you and um, try and get you as ready as you can. They give you the confidence that you need. Um, and they're always there for you to help you. Well, the selection committee is listening to this, so you, you will be the starting 11 next week there, Scott. Uh, <laughs> hey, mate, just uh, tomorrow Tomorrow is the Melbourne Victory 10th Anniversary Family Day. Uh, it's on tomorrow. Make sure you vote too, by the way. Don't, don't forget, you, you do get fined. Who are you voting um, for, Scotty? Liberal or Labor? Oh, jeez. Or the Greens? Can't do, can't do that, do we? No, I won't. Don't answer that, mate. <laughs> You're going to be there, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the whole team's going to be there. It's going to be a great day, and I uh, can't wait for it. Fantastic. Hey, um, thanks for your time tonight, and congratulations on your start to the season. May it continue long into the season, and congratulations on the win tonight. Thanks for your time uh, on the Four Diego's. Uh, thanks a lot. There's uh, Melbourne young gun uh, Scott Galloway, a good victory man. And uh, don't forget the family fun day, or the family day, is from 11 till 3. They were setting at... up the rides. Where at? Rodrigo? At Gosh's Paddock. Thank yep. you there, Warren. On it's the a... way through, I saw them.
Yeah, oh. make sure you get there because it should be an absolute fantastic day from 11am to 3pm. It's to celebrate their 10th anniversary and, uh, you know, they'll be looking forward to having uh, plenty of fans. Richard Kitzbickler's uh, going to be there. Is he? <laughs> Kitzbickler? No way. Was he, he did, he, did he score the first goal? First ever victory goal. Yeah, yeah. 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 so he'll Apparently be there. he's recreating it all afternoon. He was a good player. Now, just really quickly, do we have to go to a break, Rodney? Okay, okay. just really quickly, where's Scotty Galloway... What, what league, I, I know the victory people aren't going to be happy with me having this conversation, but he's going to move at some stage and he's going to go overseas. Let's, let's rule out Asia because they never come back better players in Asia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and, well, with all due disrespect to the people from Asia, um, the, he'll go over to Europe. What's the best league for Scotty Galloway to go to? I say Germany. I just like the pace of the German league. and um, You like the discipline. I like the discipline. Because <laughs> you know what? The, the German league, it's also a physical league. It, it's a pacey physical league. And, and I think it's good, it's good for the long-term future of, of the Socceroos. For me, he's one of these players that would look good in nearly all the big leagues. You know, of course, I'm not saying he's going to go straight to Real Madrid. But I think he could play in England. I think he could play in Germany. I think he could play in Italy. He has to. And I think he's the sort of player that could that play in That wasn't the question, Carlos. No, I know, but I'm just... Uh, no, no, <laughs> Wherever I, I, he gets a game, Carlos, I think yes. that's the most important thing. Yeah. No, the question was, which league do you think he's suited to? I, I'd that's go to a league question. where he's going to get a game. Like, I think, yeah, but, you know, Belgium. Yeah, uh, but I think he's one of the, You know, Tommy Rogic, for example, he's probably not suited to Scottish football. <laughs> Rogic. Yeah. No, so you it's, don't it's say actually, it like that. No, 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 moment. because he's, he's not been playing. But someone like him, he's not, he's not suited to Scottish no. football. And I've heard that from a lot of people. Some say to football at all. No, that's right. <laughs> he's going to be playing. But someone like Scotty Galloway, he's the sort of bloke I think who's got the attributes, could probably play, adapt to most of the big leagues overseas. And I'm not saying, you know, he's going to go over there now and be a star, mm. but... In the, in the pathway of things, you know, in, in his career pathway, uh, I think he could probably go to most leagues and be suited to the way the game's played. Trevin Avondale Heights says the Belgian league there, Warren. Yeah. Um, someone agrees with you finally good, good tonight. Good players coming out of there. Um, Adelaide want to sell Mobile because Kamal will be a better player. That's really? Jim in Adelaide. Okay, That's Jim, Jim in Adelaide. That's uh, good oil there, Jimmy. Good on you, Jim. Hey, um... Look, 94291116, we're still taking calls on the Civ Defence hotline and also on the uh, text uh, message machine here, 0433981116. That's what it is. It's a text message machine. <laughs> that uh, mobile move, though, truth be told, it's too soon. He shouldn't even be trialling. He's, he's not ready yet. He's got another year and a half. But he may not be going, though. He may be no, just trialling over there. But that's all. You don't want to put those sorts of temptations in their heads because then they start thinking, oh, yeah, you know, that's where I want to go. Can I you think control right now, it, though, Vinny? As a, as a player, you can't control when the opportunity presents, can no, you? you? You've can't. got to make the decision yeah. when it comes. Yeah. It, look, it, it takes a hell of a strong personality and a bloke who's really an independent thinker at 18 or 19 to say, if AX Amsterdam comes or some Europeans say, listen, we'll give you a, a trial, uh, we might even sign you for you to say no. Look, You've got to back yourself, I think, and it's a hell of a temptation for people. I think Awa's got a good relationship with Gombau and, and you would hope that uh, yeah. he'd be getting good advice from him because uh, you, you don't want to go too soon because that can wreck you. Yeah. 
Hey, let's take a break now. When we come back, we'll talk uh, more about the uh, Melbourne victory Adelaide United game. We'll talk some more about uh, all the other games, and in particular the well, Melbourne City game. Oh, yes, I've got City some game. predictions, Rodrigo. I Coming, was pretty good last week. You were pretty good last week, and we'll come back with those. Um, and uh, as we go to the break, let's have a listen to Mark Milligan, who spoke to Michael Zapponi on Fox Sports after the game. Yeah, Mark Milligan with me. Uh, Mark, uh, that was uh, some game tonight. Uh, can you remember a more intense game so far this season? Uh, no, that was very intense. Um, look, it's just wonderful. On a wonderful pitch with a wonderful crowd. It's, a big, it's been a big week for us and it's a big occasion for 10 years. And I say the crowd was wonderful and look, I'm, I'm glad to take the three points. Tonight means something more to you as a club given the occasion? Oh. Definitely, as I said, it's, it's been a big week. We've been made very aware of our history and players that have been and you know that have come and gone and, and what they've achieved. And you know, I think it was good for our young boys to see to see those earlier successes of the club. And, and not that they need any more motivation this year to be successful, but I think we all need to know where uh, where we've come from. You created some chances tonight. Was there a, a lack of composure at times in that final third? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think um, we did create a lot, and uh, we're all dangerous on the counter again. And you know, maybe lost control a bit in the second half, but that's going to happen when you play a quality side like Adelaide. Uh, you know, they, they never rest on their morals, I guess. Uh, and, uh, you know, they kept coming out us playing their game, but um, yeah, as I said, uh, we did enough in the first half. I think you've sent a message to the league, top of the table tonight. Uh, your, your season's uh, going beautifully, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was, um, you know, that was our, our intent tonight, I guess. You know, we're, both teams have been doing well, and, and we wanted to really lift our intensity and, and make sure we, uh, you know, we... We started well, and, and we, uh, you know, we made a bit of a statement uh, early on, and look, we couldn't quite maintain that throughout the game, but um, you know, it'll come. Thanks, Mark. I give the same halftime speech over and over. It works best when my players are better than the other guys' players. This has been a profound coaching moment by the Four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. The Four Diego's final whistle on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Uh, we're here tonight because uh, Melbourne Victory defeated Adelaide United uh, 3-2. Bogart scored an own goal in the seventh minute and it was 1-0 to Melbourne Victory. Then Mobile scored in the 13th minute. It was one all. Thirio then scored an own goal for uh, victory in the 16th minute it was 2-1 uh, Broxham scored in the 31st minute it was 3-1 and then Karuska scored a, a penalty in the 36th minute it was like that 3-2 at half time and that's how it ended at Amy Park in front of 22,000 people we've been talking about everything from the referees to the Civ defence tonight to the uh, individual at the game individual brilliance individual of Mabeel um, and Scotty Galloway and absolutely Melbourne victory Finkler. you know uh, haven't lost a game this, this year they're playing some great stuff. There were two own goals tonight and we asked the question right at the start of the show when was the last time there were two yes. own goals? And we have a text message here from Christian. Remember Bjorn from yes. uh, Sydney FC? He scored two own goals in the same game against uh, Melbourne Victory a few years ago. Okay. Thanks there Christian. Is that Thanks Christian for... Sarkis? <laughs> might, might be. <laughs> Probably played in the it game. Might be. Um, look, hey, let, let's, let's move on and talk about the other games in the A-League this weekend. But we're going to go to uh, the Melbourne City game on Sunday. Uh, they take on Wellington Phoenix. Let's talk about that game. It's away. It's, at, uh, it's in Wellington at the Cake Tin. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Warren? I can see you just really <laughs> wanting to talk about Melbourne City. There's certainties, Rodrigo. They'll win. I so, think, um... Hold on a minute. Before Mr Certainty keeps going here, there's a bottle of wine that you owe me, Warren. That's right. From a, Is it double from or a... nothing? 
No, yeah, I don't want double or nothing. I want, okay. my, I want my wine. I want him to honour the first bet. You know he's a cooler bar man. <laughs> yeah, no worries, Vinny. It's got to be if in a I'm bottle of glass. If I haven't got the bottle of wine by Wednesday, I won't come in. Okay. <laughs> That's just red, a way red. of getting out of working. Is it red or white? Red. Uh, red. I'm not buy, I don't buy white. Even if he wanted white, I'd buy red. I've never bought a bottle of white in my white life, and I will continue to do that. Well, you can, will buy whatever you personal want. preference. You know, I had a... Let, I, I'd like to let the listeners into this uh, little bit of Diego's sort of uh, story. Had a dinner party with the Diego's recently. Yes, lovely, beautiful. Diego, you know, the, 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 the wives came, the kids came wonderful, and everything. Wonderful hospitality. <laughs> In-house, was, was lovely to <laughs> everyone In-house, there. Yeah. Thought I'd make, you know, I had beautiful pork for, oh, uh, for yeah, my Diego brothers. Tinder, yeah. Slow roasted, Lean eight on. hours. I, I actually Tinder. cooked it myself. Yeah, you did. Right? In-house, Vinny. And, and we made <laughs> burgers and snags for the kiddies. Yes. You're crossing the line, guess what? Guess what Warren has? <laughs> Warren goes for the burgers. Yeah. yeah. I spent all day cooking pork. And fighting the kids for the burgers, fighting by the way. the kids. Oh, no. There was only enough for the kids. Was I was like down George on the Costanza. kids' table. What are you talking about? That Molly, was Molly Rodriguez <laughs> was in tears. <laughs> yeah. She wanted that sausage. She couldn't eat no. it. Anyway. Yes, Crazy. Anyway. Yep. anyway. I want my wine. Yes, <laughs> you should. I, I want to see you give him the wine. Because it has to be ratified. It has to be agreed. Oh, so you, you, yeah. you, you see it, it's ratified. So City are, are certainties, yes. are they? Yeah, they'll win. Yeah, I think Wellington... Have, how, can you, how can you be so certain? Away from home, I think, uh, saying I think, that. I think Wellington have... Uh, I think they've fallen off the slippery pole, so Carlos. <laughs> they've been okay this season. No, they have, they've been, but last two games, away from home, they've done a lot of travelling, and I think they've just slipped off the pole. They'll be uh, winning the, the City. They're better away than home. Because their only win this season was in Brisbane. So, no, I'm reasonably calm. I thought they played really good. I think they played really... I know that's not um, perhaps the best English <laughs> I've ever used on radio, but I think they're playing okay. I think they were quite unlucky against Sydney last week. We're clearly the best, the best footballing team, but um, they're not... They're not um, hardened. They were enough. unlucky against Sydney. <laughs> they were. Well, they yeah. unlucky not to score, not to concede a few more goals. Oh, they were, but they could have scored just yeah. as many as they would have conceded. No, you can't be confident. I mean, they got. Yeah. I'm not saying they're a. They're, they're, it's it's a write off because that squad of players, if they ever click and they decide to play 90 minutes, they can win games. But mm. you can't be confident um, tipping them. You can't. No, be. that's fair. But I'm yeah, psychologically say, not a strong team. Yeah, Warren. I'm going to say there's certainties. Psychologically, at this point, we're not a strong team, Vinny, after outing me just like you did before, but <laughs> that's all right. No, it's all right. Um, we'll, we'll do a leading teams thing uh, tomorrow morning, all right? We need to get this off your chest. Hey, let's just take a pause on the other A-League games. Let's go to George in Derham. It wants to talk about the refereeing tonight. G'day, George. You there, George? No, we've lost George. He... Um, didn't have much to say about <laughs> it. I, I would try to be from some there's some brewery in Derham now, and they were sort yeah. of spruiking their beers. Okay, George mm. coming on and saying that really says a lot about the refereeing. Really, I think that was his call. He had nothing to say. There is some news about Robert Corrin, though. Um, I thought, I'm not yep. sure why they're talking about it now because there's a whole month to go. But they're saying by the end of the year, he'll be ready. Now, I've never had a calf injury before. That's apparently his affliction. <laughs> I have. Have you had it? No. I mean, yeah, no, he's I been out for three months with yeah. a calf. Well, there's different degrees, as you know. Yeah, but Carlos. I mean, how bad can a calf... I mean, you're not out for three months with a hammy. Oh, no, you can be out with a calf. Yeah, really, a calf really. for a long time. Okay, my problems with groins, as you know. Yes. I could have been anything with You never ran yeah. fast enough to do a calf, yeah. Carlos. It's an, uh, but it, really, I mean, it must have been a serious yeah, yeah, calf. It's all, about, it's all about things that you wouldn't understand, Carlos. It's about blood flow, recovery, all that sort of stuff, you know? It's... It's a difficult injury. I, d- I did a calf walking up a step, and I couldn't walk for two weeks. 
Can you imagine someone going full tilt and tearing a car? But apparently muscle? he was he was on the verge of being right because I think he he aggravated it at training. But the, two or three weeks later, he, he came back. They say a bit too early, but yeah, it's one of those. He injuries. must have just done. He must have just completely. He was kicking the ball around last week. At the, yeah, at the game. so it might be a bit more than just the. It might be just getting the, regaining the fitness, being out of the game, out of the. Um... Oh, they've only got one shot at this, really, haven't yeah, they? They've got yeah. to get him right, and they've got to take the time. Otherwise, they're going to lose him. And if you think about it, if they can get through, they've got another derby, which you think they might struggle, but they've got, I think, a couple of home games leading up to this period. If they can get to to Christmas and get him fit, and then have Josh Kennedy. Come into the team. End of January. End of January, Josh Kennedy. City's cursed. They're cursed. They buy players, they get in. It's like Engel are all over. This Corrin is. He'll he'll leave. He's signed for more than one year, though. Yeah, but uh, didn't Engel sign for more than one year? No, no, one year. year. But uh, yeah, I don't. Kennedy will come and get injured the first week. Engel was on a multi day contract. Hey, okay, let's go to the other game. Well, Brisbane Raw play tomorrow against uh, Perth Glory. Jeez, um, they're going to win because they, they yeah, they'll win. Their they'll, coach. they'll beat. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We talk about Adelaide. We talk about uh, Melbourne Victory. Talk about Sydney, uh, but we don't talk about Perth. And Perth are, mm. you know, first or second. I think they've they've uh, gone down to second because of Victory's win tonight. I, why don't we still treat Perth with the respect that they treat themselves? I mean, is it the fact that Kenny Lowe looks like a bit of a mad professor as a, as a coach, or why? Are, I'm not convinced with Perth yet. They've only played they've only played one of the other teams that are undefeated, and that was Adelaide. And the, well, Adelaide lost tonight, but previously undefeated, they lost to Adelaide comfortably in Adelaide. I think they've had a a reasonably soft draw. The home the away games they've won, they've beaten Central Coast and they've beaten Wellington. In, in New Zealand. So that's but more. They're, they're games that the previous incarnations of Perth wouldn't have won. Yeah, no, that's true. Mm. But I think I think Perth need to be tested. Now, on the face of it, they, they beat Brisbane just 3-2 with a late goal in the first game of the season that really set Mike Mulvey's path off. You yeah. know, they both went different ways. Look, on the face of it, I think you have to... If they go to Brisbane and just do the job like a good, solid team, which on paper you'd probably expect them to do with the players that they've got, you have to start respecting them, I think. But I think there's a sense that, you know, Brisbane will do what every team that's ever yeah. sacked a coach will do, and that is win. I think Perth is just a team that doesn't capture anyone's imagination because of the sort of football that they play when you compare them to, say, what Victory's doing and what Adelaide's doing and what Raw has been known to do and has done you know, yep. fairly recently. But as you say, Carlos, they, they're winning the games. They're, they're solid. They're, they're hard to beat. And they, they can grind out a, a, a victory when it, when it matters. So I think um, they are the team to beat. And they've got some professional prongs. Yep. I mean, Andy Keogh scores. Keogh a gun. He's uh, a Marinkovic. young professional prong. Yeah, he's, he's played a lot of games for Republic of Ireland. He's an international. Uh, they're the sort of player, I think we're getting really good at signing those players uh, that have had a good history in the game, uh, good professionals, and are looking for a change. I think Del Pierre's one of those guys from Melbourne Victory. I think... Um, uh, who else is a victory? There's a couple of them. Um, ben Kalfala. Yeah. These guys who are really great footballers who have been around the block a bit, probably early 30s, they're the ones we're getting so much better attracting those people to the league. They win your games. Robert Corrin, we'll see that with him too. Yep. Uh, they're, they're the sort of players well, that win your... Well, you look at Yanko, Corrin, yep. Keogh, yep. three... I mean, Yanko played last week 
for oh, Switzerland. For Switzerland, <laughs> but for it was Austria. actually for Austria. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Corrin's been captain of Slovenia yeah. for a, a number of times. Keo's played over 50 games, I think, for the Republic of Ireland. And they're just, to name a few, yeah. Del Pierre. Ben Calfala was playing in the second division in, in France. France. But he played yep. a lot of football in the first division and uh, also played a lot of games for Tunisia. Yes. So they're good players who can still play, still got a bit of hunger, good attitudes. Mm. We're getting much better at recruiting those players. The Sydney Derby happens uh, tomorrow night between uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC. It should be a, a, it was a fantastic uh, atmosphere last time. It's at Pertex Stadium this time in Parramatta, so it'll be... Red and black, mostly. There'll only be one undefeated team after this weekend, and that'll be the victory. I reckon yeah. Western Sydney Wanderers will win, and then they'll, they'll start the turnaround as of tomorrow night, I think. What are the implications if they don't win? Well, they're gonna, I, don't, I, I don't think they can finish top two if they don't win. Um, in saying that, could they still they make to, the finals? Uh, they're on two points, I think, and, and Melbourne Heart are in the Melbourne yeah. City are in the finals on six. Yeah. So they still make finals, but I don't know whether they'll make top two. Uh, but I, I said before the season started, they were going to struggle this year. I know they, what's clouded it all is the Asian Champions League success. And if you look at those games, they weren't the best side over the two legs, mm. even though they won the game. So um, I reckon they're going to struggle. They might not even, I reckon if they don't win tonight, uh, tomorrow night, I think that they might not even make the finals. They've got to get more out of Victor Samba and then their Saba. Saba. Saba and their Dutch um, Castellan. Castellan, I yeah. think. Who yeah. Saba's played in, you know, the Champions League games, but Castellan didn't, I think, because of yeah. the international sort of rule. I think they need to get more out of those guys because they got a lot out of Ono. As much as you know, he wasn't as maybe as resilient. They they got more out of. Him than what they're getting out of those. And two Hersey, guys. they miss Hersey. Yeah, they do. Seem to. Sydney FC haven't done much wrong this year. No, they haven't. I mean, but I don't know. They, yeah, you know, you're just you're just kind of thinking that it's time for Western Sydney. Yeah, I am. Yeah, nothing against yeah, Sydney. I'm not convinced with Sydney either. I mean, when I say not convinced, I'm saying they're a bad side, but I don't think they're championship material yet. Uh, another year under Arnold, I think I'll become really good. But at the moment, I think they're they're decent and they're hard to beat. I don't think they're in the same category as Adelaide or Melbourne Victory. I reckon Graham Arnold is very good at keeping them in the game, though, and that mm. he's a, he's the X factor for That's that right. squad. Mm. And the final game is the uh, G6 derby, whatever it is, <laughs> uh, Newcastle. F3. Can you buy, one, can you buy one of those at Sexyland, uh, <laughs> well, you, you Rodrigo? Can, you can at sexyland.com.au. You can buy six Gs. Um, Newcastle take on Central Coast Mariners. It's a derby. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a derby. It's one of the derbies in the world that no one cares about. It's really, who cares about who cares It's about a meaningless the derby. derby. Yeah, you're from that region. It's a most mean, meaningless derby. To beat well, up, it's a, a no- beat-up derby. For a Novocastrian. Gosford yeah. is meaningless, yeah. but um, no, I mean that. I, I mean that. It. It's that was funny. It's no disrespect to them. Oh, that you not don't at all. Even think of them, no. but they're meaningless. They're no mean- Gosford is meaningless if you're an overcastrian. Okay, that's it for this week's show. <laughs> don't forget, uh, it's all on appetite on after the Diego's Melbourne victory defeated Adelaide United three two at Amy Park in front of twenty two thousand people, and this has been the Four Diego's final whistle. So remember, Carlos, wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bamba, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls to their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever gringos play football. We will be there. We are the Fort Diego. Oh, hey. Hey.